Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 184, Blood for Blood Has to Stop One Day. This week we're discussing season 3, episode 4 of Battlestar Galactica, Exodus Part 2, and season 3, episode 17 of Angel, Forgiving. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. Okay. So, uh, yeah. BSG. Uh, Mm -hmm. Exodus Part 2. Finally got to the good stuff where, you know, they're escaping. Um, Yes, this is what it's all been leading to for the last... And I'm glad they didn't. So I feel like one of the one of the problems with like you know current shows um mm-hmm. shows like maybe the walking dead or um some others mm-hmm. where it's like like they would they would drag it out longer like i feel mm-hmm. like and maybe maybe it's cuz they like i don't know if they knew at this point that season 4 was going to be their last um mm-hmm. But maybe they knew it, like what, like the, this. They weren't working with a show that was going to last like eight seasons or something, right? Like, you sure. know, so they weren't like trying to be like, you know, take a story and stretch it out as long. But, but like, I feel like that's what they. That's exactly what they're doing in this present season with The Walking Dead, where it's like the entire first yeah. half of this current season is like dealing with Negan. Yeah. And it's like, oh my yeah. gosh, just freaking kill him already and be done with it. Because you know, I, I I felt like that for a couple sure. of seasons with, with The Walking Dead, but like I agree with like, you. I, yeah. yeah, and I'm not trying to imply at all that like it's only <laughs> this season, but like just as right. an example, and and like I don't think right. it's only The Walking Dead either. I feel like there's right. there's sure. other shows where the tendency is now, you know, one you want to have a big mid season cliffhanger, which. You know, we've talked about, like, with Buffy and even, you know, here with BSG where you had, like, kind of a long split between parts, you know, halves yeah. of a season. Um, you know, you do get that kind of thing here, and that's fine. But but it's gone so far the other way of where it's, like, any kind of, like, cliffhanger, they want to, like, draw out this long storyline. And so, like, I feel like if they were making yeah. the show today... And they weren't sure if it was mm-hmm. going to go on four seasons or eight seasons that they would be like, okay, this week we're going to explore, you know, Sam's, uh, you know, whatever in the camp. And it would mm-hmm. be like this whole episode around something having to do with Sam in, you know, New Caprica, yeah. you know, uh, uh, refugee camp or right. whatever they call it. Um, right, right. And. I'm glad they didn't do that. <laughs> like, sure. Like even sure. even these four episodes. I mean, it didn't stretch out, you know, really long or whatever. But like, you do get enough, uh, you know, in addition to like the webisodes and stuff too, that gives you a little more flavor for some of that, you know, type of mm-hmm. thing. Um. But yeah, like I'm glad they kind of like realized, like, okay, they're stuck here, but let's not like drag it out. Like, let's let's make sure that like. Sure. Four episodes into the season, they're off and doing yeah. what they need to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting because um, 
I, I, I'm going to sound like I'm disagreeing and then ultimately agree with you that sure. um, I, I think this kind of new Caprica arc, and I would include in that the end of season three, you know, of the finding of the planet and the settlement and the year later jump. And I would include maybe, maybe even the next episode or two where it's still sort of wrap up and fall out from the new Caprica sure. stuff. Um, so we'll be a little liberal and say that it's like maybe six or seven rather than four episodes or whatever. I think that might be the strongest, you know, arc that this show does. Mm. Um, and to me, like, I, I, I'm sorry sometimes that it didn't go on longer because I, as sucky as it is for the characters, I want to spend more time there. Like, I want to, like, this is a really great fodder for character and drama and a really interesting place to put the characters. And I think it works really well. Having said that, probably the reason I feel that way is because they didn't beat it to death, you know? And like, okay, yes, when we come to the second half of season three and there are a couple weak episodes, I may complain that why are we getting this when we could have spent half a season on New Caprica or something? Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, probably the fact that they got in and got out and played to all their strengths and didn't delay, didn't belabor the right. point is probably why it's so good. So that just goes to show you that probably their instinct was correct and it's in their best interest that they didn't overdo it and, and drag it yeah. out for, you know, too long and everything. So you kind of, you leave them wanting more, you know, it's always good to, get in and out with people still wishing you had more to give rather than saying, God, you know, we've been here for a whole season. Or do we really, are, are they ever going to rescue them? Is it like, you know, still week 10 of the same thing and mm -hmm. everything. So, um, yeah. so yeah, the fact that I kind of wish there was more of this means that I think you're probably right. And they did the right thing. Um, Always leave them wanting more. Always leave them. You leave on a leave on a high note, as Costanza taught us. Um, so yeah. Um, I guess on that note, I have a couple quick production notes. Um, wanted to point out, um, you know, that both parts uh, of this of these episodes were written by Thompson and Weddle, the you know writing team who. I feel like I've tried to point out because they, for my money, tend to write a lot of really good episodes. Um, so they're usually um, pretty reliable. Um, and uh, definitely we're not alone in the praise for this season um, or this arc in particular. Um, although the ratings were pretty low at this point. Um, so maybe they didn't know if they would get a fourth season because um, the ratings were, you know, you know, you get to third season of a show that happens, it kind of plateaus mm. um, and the ratings weren't doing so well, but it had nothing to do with, you know, praise by the people who were watching it, sure. you know, both the fans and the critics. Like, you know, when when you look up lists of the best episodes and the best storylines and everything, you know, the Exodus episodes and the new Caprica stuff in general tends to be high in that list. Um even though people weren't really watching it at the time. Um, 
and then so it did get singled out for some awards too um it um it won an, an emmy for visual effects and was nominated for um directing and sound editing hmm. so i feel like the i mean and it won a couple of other awards for visual effects and editing as well um you know the vfx and editing stuff i think is great i'm particularly happy with the directing nomination here because again with these shows they're not always breaking into you know outside of like the technical awards like it tends to be you know if you're sci-fi and fantasy you tend to get recognized for you know effects and makeup and all that kind of thing um but whenever you see one nominated at an emmy level for you know directing or something creative that you know usually means that it's getting noticed which is nice yeah um yeah definitely you know and obviously these are two big episodes with a lot of moving parts and you know involving every single character and every type of scene and production right. so um cool to see them get recognized yeah. in that way and i mean it may be one of those things where like when you do notice the visual effects then it shouldn't win or be nominated for awards, but like, right. Right. um, the fact that it looks so good on what was probably like a shoestring budget and everything, but on, you know, on reflection, like there are some really great moments and, and I'm, I'm the last one to notice like some of those, that visual stuff just like sure. on it, like, cause I'm much more interested in story and character development and stuff that like some of that goes by me. Um, but two moments in particular, um, which I know we're going to talk about both of these later, but I just want to mention them now because we're talking about visual effects. Uh, and you, and well, sort of visual effects slash, I guess, um, I guess it would be more cinematography, but like with digital effects stuff. So like, I'm not sure how to talk about it. Exactly. Sure. But right. The line um, is, the line is blurred. One of yeah. those is when, the Galactica jumps into uh, the atmosphere and is falling mm -hmm. and just mm -hmm. the falling, the flames, the smoke, um, mm -hmm. even the detail of like <clears throat> when, um, uh, shoot, what's his name there is going out the launch tube. Oh, hot, hot dog. dog yeah. yeah. Thank you. Right. That's the perfect punctuation of well. Yep. And, and, but <laughs> like, really but like, you know, shooting out into like the flaming atmosphere and then like it clearing yeah. and being just like a normal, like plane flight. So, like just right. that, those transitions and like all that kind of stuff, like, like they've done, you know, faster than light, you know, whatever, like even the shock wave of like when it leaves and stuff, like all of those kind of, like, That's the coolest like all part. of those yeah. little, yeah. you know, like th thinking through in very detailed fashion, how, you know, all of that stuff mm -hmm. would happen. Um, you know, just really, I think they did really well. The second one is um, the reveal of the Pegasus, you know, coming mm -hmm. in to help um, the Galactica out, uh, you know, for right, the base right. cars. Like, like just that, that slow long, push out, slow you know, pull out, out yeah. of, you know, and I mean, there's some music editing there that helps, um, I think. And, mm -hmm. you know, just that the, the 
bleakness of the Galactica being all alone and, you know, fighting these base stars or whatever. And then the sudden happy turn, right? And <laughs> which we'll talk about right. later of right. seeing that, you know, Pegasus is there and, you know, is like yeah. Yeah. firing off everything that it has in its, you know, arsenal. Uh, right. right. Like, I, I would, I would add on to that when they use the Pegasus as like the battering ram at the end. And sure. And you realize it kind of slams in and then it takes out a second, like the two ships collide and then they take out a third. And like on TV budget, getting stuff to feel like it has weight mm -hmm. in space is sure. like, that's, that's impressive. You know, like that's some pretty, um, you know, high class stuff that they're doing with not a huge amount of resources. Right. Um, so yeah, so I definitely um, like again, like it might be one of those things where when you don't notice that stuff, it actually means they're doing a really good job and whatever. But like, I do think upon reflection, like those are all like just yeah. the realism, you know, of mm -hmm. of those moments are are really great. I think. Uh, well, and they do, I feel like they do, <clears throat> you don't realize how good the effects are because they're doing them every week of like, every single week there's like either a Cylon Centurion in the background or there's a space battle or there's something with the planes and you don't really, I don't think, dwell on, oh my gosh, that's a visual effect sure. shot. So I think they do a good job of blending it in and then you get to this episode and it's like the money shots. Yep. It's like... Oh yeah, this is where like all our energy went was up to making you know the Galactica falling through the atmosphere look like the coolest thing you've seen in this show, and it pays off. Like, so I think like most of the time, yeah, that's your your kind of you know uh, your mode of operation is to say let's have the effects blend in so that we don't notice them, but when we want you to notice it will make it look really sure. good, um, which I think they do here. So it, it comes off as impressive and everything. Definitely. Um, okay, so yeah, let's actually get into our our planned discussion though. Um, yeah, right. Because I'm sure we'll come back to all of those moments later and we wanna have time for them. Um, Kind of wanted to split this up into three groups, um, talking first about the resistance, um, and then about sort of the Cylon slash New Caprica government, uh, mm -hmm. and then you know the fleet and and the sort of space battle. Um, so first, uh, not that I don't think it's the first thing we see, but kind of the first thing I want to talk about was um, Ty and Ellen. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we get the recap from last week and, you know, we remember that, like, Ellen was found out and brought to Ty. And, like, this is it, right? Like, this is where the rubber hits the road for Ty, right? Because mm -hmm. he's the one who's been talking about, like, people need to die and it doesn't matter, like, you know, in this resistance, like anyone is basically up for being killed at some point and right, right. and and the the 
the level of vitriol with which he talks about collaborators and traders. Sure. And those who, you know, like what we're willing to do to those who work with the Cylons and, you know, go against their own right. people. And Sam sort of succinctly touching on that, but not like, I mean, obviously not throwing, like, he's not like throwing words in his face, but just like that idea of like, and I think we've seen, I think we've sort of touched around this idea before of like Sam is sort of like the practical one, like, right. He's the, he's, he's the, he's not the leader, but he's also like had the experience of already having been in sort of like a on ground, on the ground resistance mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. So it's like, you know, he's standing up to Ty just saying like, you do this or someone else will. And like, mm-hmm. probably him. Like, that's at least the implication I got was, you know, when he's saying that is like, if you don't take care of this, someone else is gonna. And like the add on he doesn't say is like, and that someone else is me. <laughs> like, um, right, right, right. Which like, dang, that's cold for Sam. Yeah. You know? Like, right. And you don't necessarily think of him in that way, but you know, so, so here's it. But I, I, I think the fact that they've all been having these discussions for the past three episodes of what are we doing, what are we going to do about these traders and these collaborators and this, you yeah. know, and and that, that, that this is what they've been talking about. And just because it happens to be someone we know, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going right. to. Well, and not just I mean, someone they know, but like, you know, yeah. Ty's wife and Ty has right. been the biggest one, you know, to talk about right. this kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely um, needs, you know, it, it definitely brings it home for him. Um, right. So, right. I mean, the question becomes is like, do we credit Ty for like sticking to his principles here? To his principles. <laughs> like, like, at least he's not, at least he's not a hypocrite. Right. Like, like, and that's sort of, I mean, I, cause Ty is alternately uh, uh, likable and uh, y- yeah, uh, well, <laughs> like what loathable, like whatever, <laughs> right. whatever, whatever the opposite of like, yeah, like whatever that, um, yeah, you know, would be, um, right, but which is this, uh, detestable, I guess, maybe would be, uh, okay. right, yeah, but like, sure, and like. And that's it. Like, I don't think I don't uh, I mean, I don't think there's a clear answer if I'm allowed to say that and not have it be a cop out. Like, mm-hmm. I like. Because, yeah, like Sam's kind of right. Like you, he kind of does have to take care of this. You know, Ty sort of does have to be the one to take care of it. And it kind of is the right call. But like at the same token, it's like. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know that I could go through with it, you know? And, and so, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't, again, I don't have a clear answer, so I don't know that I even need to go on much more with it, but just that idea of, I mean, he does end up sticking to his guns, so to speak, and gives her point. I mean, you know, at least he does it like humanely. Right, like he gives her something that just kind of makes her fall asleep and not wake up again. Uh, yeah. So that's 
admirable ish i guess i don't know like right <laughs> like i mean it, it's yeah. not like you get the idea that like if it if sam had to do it like he would have had no problem just like putting a gun to her head and pulling the trick like which sure yeah i don't know i guess i have i'm less sure than you that sam is um you say stating this so much as a threat um, or that like he would be the one to do it. I, I kind of took it more as at face value of him saying someone is going to. So if you want to be in control of how it happens, now's the time. I mean, and and, and I'm not going to be responsible for it one way or the other after this point. That's kind of just because it's hard for me to see him being quite so. I don't, I haven't seen any evidence that Sam is quite so ruthless as that, but, um, but I don't Except know. that I he's don't, the one that who for turns sure. her in and demands that Ty do something about it. But does he demand that he do something or does he say someone is going to do something and, All right, do we know. need to check the transcript? Because I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I and you might be right. Like I didn't. I, I need to look. I, I, you didn't look hard enough in his eyes. This is the problem. <laughs> I forgot about the eyes. You're right. If I, it's all in the eyes. I, I think his eyes have uh, mesmerized you a little too much. I think maybe. <laughs> yeah, there's some. Uh, um, I can't. I can't believe that you would so, do it. Someone no, with I those. Don't know. I don't with know. Those eyes would never. We can never do it. Um, yeah. I. I. I don't know. And actually, um, I look forward to having this discussion and see if I can be proved wrong. Um, so that wasn't the way I took it, but I don't necessarily dispute that that is a perfectly valid reading. Um, and I mean, yeah, I mean, where I'm coming from, there's no excuse for this. I think this is a bad, evil thing that Ty does, um, but I, I... I do think it is complicated by the fact of his having to put his money where his mouth is and this sense that he's been preaching um, this kind of, you know, uh, you know, ruthlessness since this whole thing started. And so there is a sense that he kind of like, how can he he doesn't articulate it this way, but I feel like it's kind of like, how can you go on knowing you sent, you know, suicide bombers to die that took out other human beings and innocent human beings if you're not willing to hold the same standards to you and your own loved ones? You know what I mean? Like, like if he's got to be the guy who did all that stuff, then he has to be the guy who can go through with something like this, which he does. So I agree that he's sticking to his principles. I think they're wrong principles. Yeah, no, I'm not, <laughs> but, right, and that's right. That's kind of my and that's therein lies the the complication. Cause you're you're rooting. I'm rooting for hypocrisy at this point. You know, sure. like I want I want him to show the human you know, contradictions and fallibility, um, you know, but you can also, there's motivation there. You can see why he does it. 
Um, yeah. So I have another question about the scene, which is um, when Ellen asks, I could use a drink. Does she know? Does she know? I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that we get an answer to that question, yeah. but I, I mean, think that's, it's... that's like my question of is Leoben, does Leoben push Casey down the stairs? Like, I, right. like I could, there's enough there to I suggest could, it. I could see that being the saying. case, but I don't right. like, there's, it's ambiguous enough that we just don't right. know. Right. Right. Um, right. Well, and if, if she did know it and if Ty maybe knew that or thought that, does that make what he does a little easier? Because is there a sense of, we both agree that like that she's complicit in this decision in a way. Maybe. Um, and again, I don't know that there's a right answer to it. It's just all I, character speculation. I but. lean towards it not being the case that she knew or mm -hmm. If she did know that Ty didn't know she knew. Right. Um, because I, they've just never been that much in sync with anything else before. <laughs> like, and I feel right. like, I feel like it makes more sense from a character perspective to have her think that she's making her case successfully to mm. Ty of I did it all yeah. for you and I would do anything for you mm -hmm. and for her to believe wholeheartedly that that is that she was not only right to it, act that enough. way but yeah. that Ty would accept that as a valid reason for doing what she did like mm -hmm. I think she's narcissistic and uh uh not naive, but like what's like, uh, well, maybe it's narcissistic is just good enough to like, to like think that, that she can just make that case and not, and have Ty just be like, okay. And right. accept her and do whatever. So that would be those, that would be the main reason why I would think one that wouldn't cross her mind that Ty would, uh, you know, poison this, her, yeah. but then also, um, like, again, like, I don't necessarily, I don't think Ty would think of her as knowing because I don't, I think he knows her well enough to, to think that she wouldn't mm -hmm. have a clue right. what he was about to do. Right. Right. Well, and the other thing that jumped out to me too is like the, the lack of, over something that should be like the biggest breaking point in their relationship, the lack of arguing on his part, you sure. know, like that's the most suspicious thing, you know, that, that the fact that he does just say it's okay, you know, yeah, don't worry. It, it's going to be fine. I understand, you know, not that that would necessarily be a total giveaway to Ellen, but I think in retrospect, when I watched the scene to me, that's the most, um, that's the biggest red flag as to like something's wrong here if the two of them aren't screaming at each other because that's like their normal mode right. of dealing with their issues and everything. Um, this is true. So. 
But I mean, again, stupid and messed up as they both are, I feel like they're both sincere in their emotions in this scene of both in her trying to explain to him what she did and in his grief over what he does to yeah. her. You know, like, it, I, I don't agree with either of their, you know, positions, but I feel like, the I guess, at least for once, I get some honesty from them <laughs> towards each other. Um, it, it, and unfortunately, it ends badly, but right. I feel like they're both being genuine in a way, in their own way in that yeah. moment. Oh, no, I, I can totally agree with that. Like, I I don't think, I think that, yeah, no, I agree. Um, so, all right. Speaking of Sam and his eyes. Yes, and um, his eyes. <laughs> oh, Sam. So, uh, I'm just trying to think through, so like, he all right. So he gives his ultimatum slash uh, opinion to Ty, mm-hmm. uh, and then mm-hmm. goes off and is part of like, um, you know, once the once once they start setting off bombs and and you know, preparing for the coming you know help from Galactica and, and team, uh, he goes in with the group that. Uh, you know, is helping to rescue the detention, you know, the people in the detention center. They're not rescuing the detention mm-hmm. center. That's stupid. You don't rescue a detention center, but you rescue the people who are in the center. Um, yes. And, uh, ob- you know, for obvious reasons, because they know that, or at least suspect that Starbuck is in there and, you know, being uh, held in one of the cells or whatever. They don't know until they go in. But, yeah. um so he makes up this team, goes in, finds Starbuck, uh, who has uh, just been knocked unconscious, apparently, by Leo Ben, you know, uh, right. on his way out to see what, what all's going on. Um, Such a loving, fake husband, Leo yeah. Ben is. Well, right. I mean, and, I mean, so we learn more about the level of his deception you know, even in this episode. Yeah, right. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so in comes Sam with his eyes to rescue Starbuck. <laughs> um, not that Starbuck is some maiden, you know, who needs rescuing, but in this case she kind of does. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's carrying, or, like, starts carrying her out, and she wakes up and is like, nope, gotta go get my daughter. And Sam's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Like she went crazy down um, there in her cell. Like, and yeah. So they go. Uh, like she runs off, and you know to find Casey, and of course Leah Ben shows up, and that's a creepy scene with the whole like uh-huh. making her say that she loves him and whatnot. Um, right, and it's like I guess. So this is his his prophecy. He's seen it. You know, God's shown him this vision of, I. you know, you're going to hold me in your arms and tell me that you love me, that whole thing. And it's like, so does he just get to the point where he realizes 
it's too late. So the only way it can happen is if I force you to do right. it. You know, is that or or are we is this what he saw? Like, is this just the fulfillment of his sure. prophetic vision? So many and again, maybe it's to talk about today. Yes. Um, and maybe again, it's, it's, you know, like Casey falling down the stairs, maybe we'll never really know what he believed in that mind of his. Um, sure. Um, and, and it's like, it's weird because so, you know, she does it, but to get him to be close enough so that she can kill him again. Right. Right. Um, like he hasn't but, learned his lesson at this point. Right. But like, again, does he care really? Like, I, I, I feel like there's still a sense of triumph, even though, even though it's totally by force, there's no willingness on Kara's part. And even though she does it as a bit of deception and then kills him. Yeah. It's it's disturbing and gross enough that you kind of feel like he scored some sort of point. Like even the fact that he got her to do it means something. Mm -hmm. You know, even if she didn't want to say it and do those things. Um I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I I mean I don't I don't necessarily know either. I think I do sort of read it as like yeah, those, you know, prophecies are tricky things. So, like, he thinks maybe the prophecy is saying, you know, oh, she's going to tell me she loves me. But at the same time, like, that's true, but only because he forced her to and, you know, it's not real. So, mm -hmm. right. yeah, I don't, I mean... I would sort of lean that way, but like maybe that's just because I want that to be true and not like mm -hmm. that's what actually is going on. So I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah. So, um, but she does kill him and she gets Casey. Mm -hmm. And uh, so do we want to just finish talking about Casey here or do we want to wait? Sure. Cause like, no, like, and you get like, like of course, Sam comes in like just after the whole thing and after she's stabbed Leo Man and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, gets Casey and um, his eyes are making a what the hell's going on here face. Um, his eyes are making a face. It's very, um, but, <laughs> but <laughs> it's a very expressive. He has very eyes. expressive eyes over the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> So, all right, all right, so uh, this just reminds me to go on a tangent because, you know, we, we need uh -oh. more of those. So yeah. um, <laughs> kind of kind of a Buffyverse BSG connection here. Uh, the uh -huh. actor who plays Sam, uh, Truco, Tr Truco, what's his last, something Truco, like that? Truco, I think. I, yeah. Truco. Um, so he appeared in How I Met Your Mother, which, of course, uh both Wesley and Willow have appeared in. Um, oh, okay. So, uh, oh, sorry. Maybe you didn't know that. Um, but. I knew, I knew Allison Hannigan was in it. I don't think I knew. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We, well, we won't get into their dynamic there. But anyway. Um, so one of the characters, not 
Allison Hennigan's character, but uh, one of the other characters uh, dates, is it Mario Truco or something? Uh, his first name, Mario? Oh, uh, Michael. Michael? There you go. Um, Michael. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Uh, uh, dates his character, and the like. running joke is that he's completely idiotic, but is very good looking, so it's okay. And so, like, ah, okay. so I every time we talk about it, I like I just keep remembering that, like, you know, they, right. it, it's I don't I don't even it might only be one episode or a couple episodes or something that he's on, but uh-huh. it's just that that humorous thing of like he's really good looking, but he's stupid as everything, um, right? Dumb yeah. as a brick, but it doesn't matter uh, to her. So uh, anyway, yeah. so back to Sam and his eyes. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's kind of like, all right, what's going on here, and whatever. But uh, Starbucks just like, oh, I'll explain later. So, of course, they don't have time to explain until they're back, finally safe on Galactica, and she's just mm-hmm. about to explain, like, okay, who's this random girl I'm yeah. back for? When Casey sees, well, or the mother sees Casey. And right. is like, oh my god, you saved her. They took her away from me. I didn't know where she was. And like, there's this whole yeah. devastating realization on <sighs> yeah. Starbuck about the depths of Leobin's mind games. Uh, right. And the right. fact that, like, probably the more disturbing fact that she had actually fallen for, for them. Um, mm-hmm. And kind of was not just that she had fallen for them, but kind of was like getting used to and liking the idea of having a daughter. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least that's the way I read it. Uh, right. Um, right. She's just getting to the, over the denial of this can't be mine right. to caring about her. And even and like, like, yeah, the fact that she wants to explain to the others who this is, that it's not just some little burden she has to carry around, but like, She's getting to that, you know, she's just about to say, well, this is, and like, there's some enjoyment of being able to say that I have a daughter and yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. but it is that, and, and like, there's no explanation after that, right? It's just like, kind of like, oh, okay. That's it, yeah. Like, maybe they're even like saying like, she just happened to have found out that this girl was there. And so when everyone else was being rescued she just wanted to make sure that this little girl got but but there's no implication that like sam thinks that there's a relationship there because like why why would he Mm -hmm. think that you know Mm -hmm. so um it just kind of becomes like quote self-evident at that point um when obviously Mm -hmm. we and starbuck know that there's other feelings she has all the feels at that particular point yes yeah. Um, right. Right. So yeah. Yeah, and and back to kind of her, if that moment of wanting to share the fact that she has a daughter is like maybe more kind of open emotionally than we're used to seeing Starbuck, you know, pretty sure. quickly back to the more guarded, keeping it to herself. Like, you know, there's all those shots when Adama at the end is being celebrated of all the different New Caprica people, like, kind of lost in their own trauma. But, like, Starbuck is, like, kind of in that thing of 
stopping herself from crying. You know, that's the face she's making to me is right. like, I could just go like sob in a corner, but, but there's lots of people right now. And, and, yeah. There's lots of people and it's not going to happen. So yeah. Um, and like it, Again, it just makes Leo been even creepier in retrospect because he's certainly been creepy since we've known him. That's nothing new. But I feel like, at least for me, up until this point, there was more a sense of twisted as he was, maybe some actual belief in what he was saying, some sincerity of, all right, he might be off his rocker, but he is genuinely off his rocker and believes what he's preaching. But this implies that no, there's deceit. There's intentional manipulation. And sure. like, not just that he's obsessed with Starbuck and stalks her and keeps her in his basement, but like creates lies in which to trap her there and does so intentionally and knowingly. So it's not just that he's kind of nuts. Right. It's like, if you can be this intentionally deceptive, you can't be that nuts, you know? Like... He contrived this in, in too meticulous a, a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so he doesn't even get the, the benefit of the doubt in terms of believing his own BS, right. really. Um, or at least at this point, that becomes a lot harder to, you know, you know, take seriously again, I think. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree. Uh, again... Uh, like I said a minute ago, like there, there's a new, not a new level. It's not that a new level has been added. It's just been revealed, right? Like, like this sure. is right. And I think that's part of the shock of it, you know, for Starbucks and and for viewers is the realization, like you said, that this was this was planned out, you know, right. in this way. Well, in the way that they use the unexplained surgical scar from when she was in the farm. Right. Like, because when, when he brings in this daughter as the viewer, you totally buy it as, oh, they set this up a season ago. Yeah. That they, that's what he took her ovary and they've been cooking up this baby all this time. And that's, and you were waiting for that detail to come back at some point. So you're primed to believe it when he presents it. So, the fact that it totally like hooks you in and then of course you realize of course is what it was and it becomes obvious, but you know, it's a really effective right. twist. Well, and like, you know, why not? Like we already saw one, uh, you know, human Cylon hybrid, you know, with right. Hera. So why couldn't right. this have happened? Right. It's it was kind of what they were working to. Like that was the whole point of the farms right. anyway, right? Like Right. So right. completely plausible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. Uh okay, so <laughs> we've gone forty five almost minutes and haven't talked about we've only talked about one group really of people. Um, and, oh, and we still have to talk about, like, Tori and Maya and Isis and Rosalind. So, quickly, um, so yes. Maya, who's 
Hera's adoptive mother and Isis, who is uh-huh. Hera, uh, mm-hmm. are sort of in Tori's care, right? So we got mm-hmm. Sam promising last time to uh, put them with sort of like the the um, MVPs or the, you know, VIPs, I mean, um, not MVPs. Mm-hmm. That's a totally different thing. Um, and so he does, and, like, Tori is supposed to be watching them and kind of helping them, you know, along with some of the other important people, you know, working through the escape plan. Um, and I guess I guess there's a certain irony here, too, that I didn't really think of till just now. But, like, Rosalind is the one who who was, like, helping to plan all of the escape routes, right? And And she's the one mm-hmm. who you know, is like, at some point, people are just going to have to fend for themselves, right? And learn that, like, like we've done as much as we can to prepare you. Mm-hmm. And it's these people who are under her special care who, and, well, Maya, anyway, who ends up getting killed, and Hera right. slash Isis getting left behind to be found right. by the Cylons. And so... Right. Um... Yeah, I didn't really think of it quite that way before, but that's like, yeah, you know, a, kind of an interesting irony to the whole thing is is that, um... right, right. Well, that's kind of what Rosalind says to Tori at the end is like, it's just life, you know. Yeah. And that's at the end of the day, they did their best, and you can't account for everything, and things don't always go according to the plans that you sure. set out. Um, so yeah, I don't, I mean, so that's it. Like Hera is in the hands of the Cylons now. Um, yep. And specifically three who kind of like picks her up and walks away. Right. Like, right. Right. (laughs) Um, and, and we got her, I know we're jumping a little ahead here, but we're going to talk about the Cylons next anyway. So, um, Mm -hmm. You know, there's the prophecy, you know, again, there's that word uh, that she was given before of, you know, holding uh, Hera and, like, knowing love and all of that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. So, okay. The Cylons, though. And and Baltar and Geta, kind of, with all of them, Mm -hmm. because they're the new Caprica government, right? So um, we've got another little Cylon council, but it's more uh, Baltar sort of berating the Cylons this time for like how stupid they are. uh, Right. Yeah, I told you so is kind of the tone of his, um, you know, and like his argument. And they're like, well, you know, what would you have us do? And he's like, "Uh, leave? Like, whatever. (laughs) Right. I like the way he says that. Like, it's really very simple. You know, like, don't overthink it. Just yeah, leave. just go. That would just be better for everybody. Um, but I, I want to point out that her her reaction to that suggestion, because that, that is a good question. Like, why don't they just leave? Um, and at least number three's response to that is this this notion of the, the vengeance that's just going to keep going of we can't leave without finishing you off because you will follow us and finish us off because of 
what we did and the whole thing's just going to keep sure you know the cycle's just going to keep perpetuating um you know and baltar's line about you know blood for blood it has to stop one day which is the line we chose you know for the title of the episode um which I think works well with both of these episodes being about revenge. Mm. Um, but I kind of feel like for me, if there was maybe a single most important theme of this show, that might be it. Like this con this notion of which I think brings in the the all this has happened before, all this will happen again, but the notion of a perpetuating cycle and spe- specifically a vengeance mm. of you know, you wrong me, so I wrong you, so you wrong me, so I wrong you. And it just sort of goes on until, you know, infinity. Right. Um, you know, and Baltar just saying, you know, it has to stop somewhere. And that's kind of the question is, can it stop? Will it sure. stop? Maybe, you know, that's the question of the series that it's really asking. And. Um, and if so, then how does one go about stopping it? <laughs> right. 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 Other, like, is there a way to stop it without perpetuating Sure. Right, because there's, like, the theoretical um, question of can it stop? Is it possible to stop? But then there's the practical question of, okay, how do we actually go about stopping? Um, right. Yeah. Right. And we've seen some you know, attempts to do that. Like, you know, in the first Cylon War, the Cylons go and start a world of of their own, but that only lasts for so long before they come back. You know, you have the humans running the other way, but that doesn't really work because they get chased, you know. And here you have the Cylons trying to, in, in a kind of admittedly brutal way, trying to enforce peace of okay you're gonna live together and you're gonna like <laughs> right. it but like nobody likes it and so it just keeps on going and so like i feel like we keep getting like attempts to break the cycle but none of them are working yet right. and you know that is the kind of question is how do you do this yeah um so yeah um but eventually that kind of is what they decide to do because we're, we'll talk about the battle, hopefully not for too long, but you know, that <laughs> through the various tactics and maneuvers and the fact that Adama has been able to coordinate with the ground right. and have a plan in place, the Cylons are basically caught with their pants down and don't, you know, uh, even though things look bad for Adama at a couple points, Basically, there's no point where the Cylons were really going to, like, win this fight because they're surprised, you know, um, on multiple fronts, apart from Deanna's plan, which is to just nuke the whole place. Um, Sure. Which is the plan, at least for a certain period of time, is that she's going to stay behind and set it off um, until she finds Hera. Right. Which puts the kibosh on that plan because she wants to get Hera, you know, safely off the ground with her. And so the the planet and the presumably there are people still on the planet who would have been nuked who right. aren't because she finds Hera. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe. Like, 
maybe they just want to nuke it, you know, to nuke it too. Like, doesn't necessarily have to still be people on the ground at that point. Like, they could just be sure. like, screw it, we're just going to destroy everything on our way out the door. Well, that's true. And we don't really know at that point how many people are still left and how many people have managed to get off. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, other than number three, I feel like there's not a lot to talk about with the council. It's more kind of them sort of flailing around and what are we going to do? And, um, yeah, I, I like the shot when they're saying, when Baltar says, you know, now, like, where's Rosalind? And she's off solidifying the public's imagination and stuff. And the camera just kind of flicks over to Gaeta and then it goes away. Like, he's just sitting quietly in the corner, you know, doodling. Yeah. You know, like, he he knows, maybe he doesn't know exactly what happened and where she is, but he actually knows something about it. Um, But the without kind of making a big deal, I feel like, you know, the director just has a little reminder well, in a very subtle way that you know, he's listening in and not participating in this discussion. That's a good point because, like, what we didn't talk about with Tori and Roslyn was their entrance back onto Colonial One, right? And mm. I wonder, I wonder how much... Because we never, we don't know that the resistance, like, the resistance doesn't know that Gate is the one feeding them info, right? So, but I wonder if he was still maybe tasked with, like, securing Colonial One. Like, like who, like, they might not have known it was Gaeta, but, like, maybe they had given, Mm -hmm. like, the job of securing Colonial One to the secret informant, whoever that might be. And so that might be, which actually might be part of his motivation for coming in to Mm. kill uh, Baltar. Right, to clear it out. Right, Right. I mean, also the things that he says about, like, he believed in him and, you know, now he's angry. Like, that might be another aspect to it. Like, not to say you can't have two motives for a thing. Um, Right. Right. But yeah, like maybe part of that was that he was supposed to help clear that out. Um, Mm -hmm. Which he does, like Baltar and Mm -hmm. Six leave. (laughs) Like, um, so he's successful in that regard. And so it's open for when Rosalind and Tori, you know, and the rest of their particular crew come in. Um, But yeah, Mm -hmm. I I mean, that just, that thought just occurred to me that like maybe, Maybe he does have a mm-hmm. job to do there as far as getting them out. But also, like, right? Where? how does Gata get off the planet? Does he get off the planet? Well, he does, but it's, it is weird. He's in the raptor behind Ty. So he doesn't go off in Colonial One, which I also think is kind of interesting and conspicuous. Like... And I don't think that that doesn't necessarily dispute, like, maybe he was intentionally clearing Colonial One so that, you know, it was open for the resistance to use. Right. But the fact that he doesn't stay there. But like, also that he's there the, with Ty, who, again, 
has such hatred for collaborators, right? Exactly, right. Well, and like, there's no sense that they were talking to each other or were friendly to each other afterwards. Like, like, you know, he just kind of gets out behind him and Ty, when he kind of wanders off, like, they're just kind of, there's maybe a glance at Mm. the most, but there's not a sense of, hey, used to work with you every day. Haven't seen you in four yeah. months. Yeah, see you around the CIC sometime. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's, it, they might as well kind of be strangers as the, but like the fact, so Deanna's line about, to Baltar about like, I don't think you'll want to be here when the humans get back. It's like, or it's like, I don't want, I don't think you'll want to be here after we've gone. So partly that could be because we're going to set off a nuke. Right. So you probably want to come with us. But the other part of it is you don't want to be around when the people show up to reclaim colonial one either, you know? Um, and I kind of feel like that's probably why Gata not on colonial one is like, maybe I have a job to do and then I'm getting the heck off this thing, you know? Um, because they don't know it's him. And if they, because find they him don't know. There, and I'm one of the right. collaborating you know, still, I feel like he must know that Rosalind's the one coming back. You know what I mean? Sure. Like to Colonial One. And so, you know, would be more amenable than the military. Sure. Well, and the next episode is called Collaborators and has a lot more to say about... Yeah those who collaborated. So I feel like let's sure. maybe come back to this. Sure. Question. No, I, um, right. And I'm not trying to jump ahead or anything. I just, I'm, I, I'm no, no, but I think we have, maybe we'll have more. Like to if say we're on it psychologizing about Gata, like, like right. there's that thing of like, when, wouldn't it be better to say like, ha, you know, I'm going to stay on colonial one and welcome them with open arms when they get back here and say, Hey, I was the guy who was helping you. Like, right, like right. I was the one putting, you know, the stuff by Lucky's dog bowl there so that you can, right. Right. you know, do this whole little thing where we get off the planet. And so... Well, yes. And that's a good point. And I don't know that I have a good answer yeah, for it. And um, I mean, I'm I, not to, necessarily... Like, it. that just seems like it would have been a better way to act but I, you know whatever well and so i want to add one more you know so let's talk about the scene with where he confronts baltar because i think the other element that to me comes across in that scene is i don't think his attitude is one of look at me i'm the hero who you know sure. got the information from the inside the the information is I think he's looking at himself as one of the collaborators, yeah, yeah. you know, cause the line about, you know, Baltar, I believed in you, you screwed everything up. I hate you, but also it's my fault too. Yeah. Like, you know, his, his line is I turned out to be, you know, and it's Baltar that says, you know, well, you were an idealist. You didn't do anything wrong, but I don't know that Gaeta believes that or at least that's not what comes across. Like, yeah. Well, it comes and, across as I turned out to be the guy who went along with you and also screwed everything up. Right. Yeah. I mean, an idealist is is Baltar's addition, right? Like 
that right. isn't necessarily right. what that's Gata not was Gata's say. word. He might have right. said a collaborator or an idiot or right. you know whatever, like right. any number of other right. things that he could have said. Um, so yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. So with I you. would, like, I would like suggest that maybe, yeah, I would suggest that maybe that's part of the the hiding away rather than welcoming anybody with open arms is yeah. you know it's just really shame, weird that you know? he gets on the same raptor as Ty. Well yeah but there's also just some convenient blocking there, isn't it? Of like we want the the characters we know to be in the same sure. space in the same shot with each other. Yeah. I yes but also it's just weird that they're in the same raptor together. Sure. I bet that was a fun raptor ride. <laughs> that's all, you know, all I can think of is it's that's got to be the longest 10 minutes of their lives or whatever. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean. Okay. Well, we probably should move on to like the fleet now that we're over our time um, yes. and talk about it from sort of the other angle. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe, you know, maybe we don't need to talk a ton of time about it. I mean, I think it's a lot of the plot moving stuff. So hopefully we don't have to belabor the point. Yeah. But so first yeah, you have, so first you have Lee, right? Um, brooding melancholy Lee. Um, <laughs> melancholy. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, just feeling down and like D points out like, oh, it, you, you think you're never going to see your dad again, obviously, because I know you so well and I'm your wife. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, she kind of manages to talk him out of that, but very clearly, you know, reflecting back on. Um, what wasn't too long ago for them, right? Um, the conversation they had on the hangar deck of the uh, mm -hmm. Galactica and, and, you know, Adama, like, don't, don't make me cry and blah, blah, blah. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, like she kind of helps him perk up and he says he's proud of her. And I mean, ob like, obviously we know what happens later, but um, especially since we've already talked about it. Uh, but, I think you're supposed to get the sense of like, I don't think you're like, they're necessarily meaning for you to think like, Oh, I'm going to go back and like help out. Although it's kind of hard right. not to think that way. Cause like that's mm -hmm. it's TV and like, that's what happens in TV. Right. Um, sure. But I do think like they're trying to get the idea of like that. He's, you know, bucking up to do his duty no matter what the hardship is. And that's kind of mm -hmm. the language, you know, I think that they use and like the, the attitude that like even these, you know, sort of aiming at of like, you know, mm -hmm. I know you better than anyone. I can tell when you're down, but like, you know, you just need to do your duty kind of thing. And, and we have to survive and humanity has to survive. And the idea being that, that's what his father was saying and why he was sending him away. So like, like those cues are misleading mm -hmm. you, I think a bit to 
right. to think that like Lee's like, okay, well, yes, humanity has to survive, so I need to go do my job and and wait right. at the rendezvous point. Um, right, right, and yeah, the only other thing I would add too is, um, you know, D's consistent role as, um, in some ways, I find this a little frustrating, but her role as like the articulator of what it means to be an Adama, like of like, and we've talked about this as her as like the communications officer of it's always D that is going to tell you what the mission is and, you know, give you the, or even what the point um, of the mission is like. Sure. Right. Like why not just what is the mission, but why are we doing it and what are we fighting for? And it's this notion of, you know, keep it together, find earth, you know, do the right thing no matter what. Um, and she is always the, the voice of that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that is, you know, I mean, I don't dislike that role for her. Um, sometimes it's like she becomes, I think, a little bit, her characters may be secondary to her ability to articulate that mm. stuff. Um you know, but, um, but that is, that is part of who she is. And like, I, you know, I definitely get the sense too, that her love for Lee is very much involved with her respect for Adama, you know, sure. that like it is because they are Adamas that she loves them to begin with. Um, and so maybe it makes sense that she's always the one to kind of remind them of their duty and what they're fighting for and all that kind right. of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so, yeah, so, like, we get into the battle stuff. So, like, there's sort of a few phases, right? Like, they send in, like, this is a, a very well-thought-out sort of battle plan. Like, you can mm -hmm. tell they've been putting some hours in to, to think of it and plan it and all of that. Um, so they send out these raptors, and then they send out drones with them that... Um, you know, are a little more sophisticated than like uh, the crybaby that they use in Firefly, right? Like the um, sure, but yeah, that apparently are meant to mimic uh, in some way the signature of the battle stars and make it look right. like there's two of them. Um, right. So yeah, so. So that's like phase one and like, well, I guess phase one is really like the resistance on the ground starting to blow stuff up to like distract the Cylons. And then like, while they're distracted, um, you know, you get these drones coming in looking like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, battle stars. And so then they get worried and like send off their base stars. But of course that turns out to be a faint, you know, which is all to say that, you know, because, like, the base stars, you know, you see them, like, coming around the planet, right? Like, so they're moving out of position. And that's when you get the Galactica Gambit. Um, <laughs> which, which is, as we, you know, sort of discussed before when we were talking about, like, the visual effects and stuff, you know, basically the Galactica jumping into... Uh, atmosphere which which is a callback mm -hmm. right this is so this is what they did when starbuck took um her her group back to 
Caprica with the Raptors Mm -hmm. was they jumped into atmosphere and they lost a couple along the way. Um, One was what led to the discovery of new Caprica, you know, to begin with was, you know, that first jump. Right. Uh, What was it? Racetrack. Racetrack. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Did it wrong. Um, Right. Or yeah, somehow they got off, you know, off of the, they weren't, they got lost from the group. Um, and then when they jumped into the Caprica atmosphere, they lost people there. So, but like, this is like, obviously now we're talking about the Galactica, not a Raptor, which is much bigger and mm-hmm. presumably much more potential for disaster. Like if, if they got the calculations wrong and the Galactica ends up in a mountain, that that's it. Everyone's done for like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But, um, they jump into atmosphere, launch the Vipers, and then like jump right back out. Um, mm-hmm. This time to go and engage the base stars and keep them busy while the ra- mm-hmm. while the uh, Vipers and and whatnot are helping to suppress the ground forces and you know help, you know so that people can escape and get onto their ships and and whatnot. Right. Um, so yeah, and. I, I like the sense that you get of what it costs the Battlestar to do this, that like it is this big impressive jump, but like it is a rickety old thing. Sure. And so once they jump out, the fact that like all their systems are down and things like sparks are flying and, you know, they can't jump away and they barely have any power and people are bleeding and all this kind of stuff. And like, you know, the riskiness of, you know, Adama, you know, basically sacrificing the ship, yeah. you know, for the people on the ground, you get a real sense that like, you know, maybe they hoped they could come back online long enough to fight, but, um, but it wasn't but, a guarantee. You know, no. And, and this is definitely taking a hard hit onto their, you know, their, their ship and everything. Right. Um, so, and this whole thing, uh, so this uh, whole kind of battle here actually reminds me a bit of Rogue One and like the ending, you know, with the with mm. the, um, you know, space battles and stuff they have there um, in uh, uh, less dark because people actually survive. Um, yeah, they don't actually like nuke the ground and kill everybody. Yeah. Well, and even and even um, the ships like. Very few ships right. escape from the Rogue One battle. Uh, but anyway, so right. my my point being, um, though, that you get this idea that, yeah, like they are in it for like, like they're doing things nobody's ever done before. And like, you know, really sort of committing everything they have to this effort. And, you know, going mm-hmm. back to Adama's speech at the end of the last episode of, you know, the only way this ends is with a successful, you know, rescue. Um, Right. So, you know, that said, like, like you get like, yeah, these desperate sort of gambits of, you know, the battle star jumping in and, um, and then going out to take on, you know, multiple base stars at a time. And, and like you said, like seeing, Mm -hmm. seeing things literally breaking down, kind of in front of you 
Um, which is why, of course, when the Pegasus arrives, that you know, there's your sudden turn, right? Because not that things are going like like it's touch and go, but it, it's it's not. Mm. You know, it's not a success, but it's not like a, a, you know, defeat yet either. Like, there's still a chance. Right. But, like, each sort of passing moment, there's, like, less and less of a chance. And so you get that long, Mm -hmm. slow pull away and sort of pan Mm -hmm. away from, like, you know, it's that distant battle um, that you're kind of seeing. Mm -hmm. And then... The Pegasus arrives and it's, you know, right. You know, this yeah. this you catastrophic moment of hope and like again, like things aren't guaranteed, but they're they're suddenly a lot better. Like, you know, two battle stars is, is like more than this, you know, it, it's synergistic, right? Like you it's not just right. oh now, you know, there's two battle stars against you know, however many base stars, but it's, it's that together they can do so much more than they could alone. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you get like immediately, they're like basically blowing one of the base stars up, right. By firing like mm-hmm. everything they have at it. Um, and it's right. preoccupied and undefended on that side or whatever. So it, you know, basically right. destroys it. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a great moment. And great for the Pegasus to be, like, an agent of, like, you catastrophe of, like, you know. Because um, that kind of was what it seemed when it showed up, you know, of, like, oh, hallelujah, there's this other battle star out there. And then you find out it's a much darker, more complicated thing than it seemed at first, than the miracle it seemed to be. Um, sure. But, like there's some kind of the, even the way that like they end up sacrificing the ship and Lee thanks it. It's mm. like, there's some redemption for the Pegasus, like as a, as a ship almost like right. all the bad things you've done, it goes out like a hero mm-hmm. kind of, you know, like, I don't know. There's something. And even the fact that they would sacrifice that ship and that's the new fancy ship. Right. And, but we're the new keep, fancy we're ship that can Galactica. that can make more vipers. <laughs> exactly, but no, no. See a Pegasus. We're going back to Galactica. But the emotional, symbolic value of Galactica is such that it has to escape, and the Pegasus has to go. Um, which, hey, fair enough. Um, but I don't know. I feel like there's that's a real kind of like you know, both the happy turn, but also like a bit of redemption for that whole Pegasus storyline. Sure. Um, and like, you know, and how appropriate that it comes in the context of fighting for the people left behind on the ground, you know, which is not, those were the people they didn't fight for back when, you know, when there were the original texts, but now like the two base, the two battle stars come together and, you know, uh, you know, do right by their, you know, civilians down below. Definitely. Okay. So, um, (sighs) so yeah. Yeah. Any, so we kind of already talked about the reunion to some degree, any other 
final mm-hmm. thoughts on, or specific characters you wanted to stand out? We already talked about like Kara and Ty and right. uh, Gaeta. Right. Any other? Right. Um, I mean, I would just, I would maybe just point out Sam's eyes again. The Sam's eyes, um, which are the center point of the scene. Um, no, I would point out the difference of tone between those characters you just named, like Ty and Kara and Gaeta, like as maybe the most prominent of the like people from New Caprica and the disconnect between their very kind of somber and isolated reactions to Adama being like lifted up on the crowd and carried around and everyone cheering his name as this big hero. Um, And I'm not saying he's not a hero. Like he, put together a good plan and he pulled it off and did a lot more than people expected him to. So I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it, but there's this kind of, you know, and the people of New Caprica are celebrating. I'm not saying it's totally split, but there's to me a disconnect between on the one hand, this notion of Adama came and rescued us and everything is great. And the day was saved and hooray on one end And then on the other hand, you have these people who, the ones who were rescued are, you know, slipping into their kind of, you know, PTSD and, you know, caught up in their own minds and and what it is that they, they can't celebrate, you know, they're still living through what they've experienced. Sure. And I wonder how much, so, okay, so the next episode we get the return of survivor counts, right? And so right. we've got, uh, we've gone from at the end of Lay Down Your Burdens, uh, 49,500 people to at the beginning of the next episode, 41 and not quite a half thousand right. people. Ouch. So that's 8,000 people who've died. That's a hit, yeah. Um, yeah. But also, that's still a lot of people. Like, that's still 40,000 people. Now, I mean, we've heard before that Galactica at maximum capacity only holds like a couple thousand, right? So most of these are civilians who are, uh, right. you know, who are in this group. And, like, we don't know how many uh, people are actually in the resistance, but you get the sense that it's not more mm-hmm. than maybe like, a hundred or a couple hundred at right. the most like right. like it's actually right. a pretty small group um right right so how many people were really in the know in terms of what all went down right well down right and this is right that's getting to my point like add you know some of the people who were in detention might whatever but like a lot of the people who are coming to the galactica at this point are probably, you know, they're people who have been living drudgery lives and who have just been rescued. Like they haven't, Mm -hmm. they're not the ones who were necessarily fighting. And maybe, and that's not to say that, like, I'm sure it was traumatic enough to have things exploding around you and, you know, race to ships and all that. Now, um, there is a civilian fleet still too. So some of that 40,000 would have been with the civilian fleet still, but you get the sense that most of them were probably on New Caprica. So, so a lot of these people 
are people who have just been rescued. And yeah, like you said, like wouldn't have been part of the actual resistance and wouldn't therefore have experienced the things that, you know, a lot of that people like Ty and Gaeta and Kara and, you know, whoever else, you know, would have experienced. Um, Right. And I, and I even like that it's kind of those three who are chosen because not that the others didn't have like, Callie or Tyrrell like not that they didn't suffer as well but it's like you kind of get like you know those the three that we're talking about all went through hell but in very different ways like the types of things that Ty had to endure versus Kara versus Gaeta like there's almost no overlap between their experiences but they all saw things that they probably would wish they hadn't and did things that they wish they hadn't done. Um, you know, which I think does set them slightly apart from, you know, regular Joe living in the fleet, just trying to sort of make ends meet under the, you know, under the thumb of the Cylons and everything. Right. Um, they were involved at a, a deeper level in, yeah. you know, what all happened yeah yeah because when you think about it even like like even like how hard it was to recruit duck right before nora died like Mm -hmm. like these are you know even the people who like you would think like would sort of de facto be part of the resistance end up not necessarily being there right Um, and then you know there's people like jammer who you know, ended up being part of the new Capitol police or, you know, whatever like that. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Which reminds me, I love the part when Zarek grabs Jammer. (laughs) I didn't do anything. (laughs) Like, it's like a Baltar moment of like, you know, your guilt just sort of spills out and you can't contain it. But of course nobody notices because they don't know what you're talking about. Um, you know, Jammer's one contribution to this episode. Um, right and i mean so yeah he succeeds right like i mean rosalind gets off safely he does that's true that's true i mean no that's that's a good point you get the sense that actually rosalind probably would have gotten off safely no matter had jammer been there or not i i tend to think it's more just like as a reminder that like hey jammer still exists um than anything And and he's overly sensitive to, to accusations. To his so. role as a collaborator. Yeah. Um, mm. Mm, I wonder if he'll yeah. be in the next huh. episode. Since you already brought up mm. the title of it, just thought I'd yes. throw that out there. Um, yeah. But yeah. So anyway. Um, all that to say that, yeah. I... I I don't. I don't know where I was going to go with that sentence. It kind of got away from me. There. Um, we should move on now. We should uh, and talk about. All right. Let's talk about forgiving. Let's talk about good things now. People. Yeah. Moving on from their issues <laughs> and and acting oh, with love well, and mercy towards people who have either that or them. angel. <laughs> yeah, I guess we can't do both. Huh? <laughs> Not- not, um, not in this episode. No, no. The the title is a bit misleading. Yeah. Well, um, okay. So we, not that we need more things to talk about. But yeah, like yeah. the title. 
like we've come across titles before where they like seem to mean multiple things right but like forgiving there's not like too many ways to read forgiving so like and there's not too much forgiving that goes on in this episode no so what any any thoughts there like and and i'll be honest right up front i don't i don't really know why they call it this sure i mean i um i mean i think so two things i think like it articulates like the theme or the question of the episode which is exactly the one that baltar said of like do you just keep perpetuating a cycle of blood for blood and that's across many different characters not just angel i mean angel primarily the question is is he going to be able to forgive wesley or not that's really a question of the episode but also it's like you know a lot there's a lot of revenge seeking you know you know with because he's also has you know wants revenge against sajan um and um you know after what he does to linwood linwood kind of ends the episode with saying he's gonna pay for this so it's like okay this is gonna (laughs) create more problems with with like so there's just the sense of perpetual wrongdoing which only begets more violence and everything um and and the question of can anybody just forgive and forget like uh, you know and is that possible in this scenario um but then i also feel like the and i don't mean this in a like totally cynical way but is it an elaborate setup to fake you out in that last scene you know like just from the the title and the questions that it brings up and the way the episode goes it feels like you're being set up for forgiveness you know um and it's you know it's all leading to the moment that that doesn't happen um emphatically doesn't happen yeah so um you know i kind of feel like it whether or not that's it only the only thing they meant by it i feel like it drives that point home and it it just sort of is you know softening you up for that final twist and everything um so yeah i don't quite want to sorry somebody's starting a car outside apartment or trying to um doesn't sound like the car is starting uh the little random noises you get in my apartment building um are always fun so all right i don't want to start with the ending um (laughs) but i do want to start with wesley because he doesn't he's not quite the bookends of this episode but like we don't get too much of him it's mostly you know a little bit in the beginning and then you know the last scene um so uh to kind of start with him and you know, go pretty quickly. We at least see early on that he is still alive, which is good. I think we had guessed that, but didn't really know that for sure. Um, And, you know, but he's like, you know, has his throat cut so he can't really move or talk or, you know, get help for himself. Um, So, you know, uh, a tramp comes along and, 
you know, finds him and you're not quite sure, is he just going to mug him at first, you know, right. and take the money that's in his pocket, but he does end up, you know, uh, getting help and getting him to a hospital. Um, and also takes his so that's money. good. And also takes his money. <laughs> but at least he doesn't leave him, you know, right. to die in the park. Right. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So, I mean, so there is check good in, in the world, kind of. <laughs> in amongst the bad, there is some good. Um, okay. So, the first kind of section I want to talk about is the different characters' reactions to what happened in the last episode. Um, and because I feel like that kind of takes up a certain amount of time is just the characters even trying to process like what, what even just happened, like, you know, does not compute and you know, all that sure. kind of thing. Um, so there's angel first. Um, so he immediately starts coming up with the plan of how he's going to fix this and get Connor back. Um, uh, you know, which, Gunn points out, so so the plan is very simple, open the portal, get Connor. Um, the tricky part is, how do we do this? Um, and uh, Gunn points out that Wesley is really the guy who can figure out how to do stuff like mm -hmm. that. Um, so we're starting to like, we're presented with this question of like, not just how are we going to do this while we don't know where Wesley is and he's in the hospital, but kind of a more philosophical question of how do you go on without Wesley? Um, you know, he's such an integral part of the group at this yeah. point. How do you even find out how to do stuff like this? Um, and that's a good question because they spend a good chunk of time trying to read through his files, trying to figure out, even figure out Cordy's filing system um, and do like the research that you feel like Wesley could probably do in a fraction of the amount of time. Um, but they don't know what they're looking for. They don't read the languages that are necessary. They're not sure even where to look. Um, so yeah, that's the kind of first major kink in uh, in Angel's plan. Um, and I mean, eventually he just sort of abandons the plan and <laughs> goes on to phase two of the plan, which is finding the people responsible, um, you know, which I guess going after Sajan kind of crosses two things off that list because he can both take revenge on him and figure out how to open the portal at the same time. Um, so yeah, um, and Angel's point about Cordy is interesting. So there's this, um, you know, Fred suggests that they call Cordy for help in both in figuring out how to do the research, but also just to tell her what happened. Right. Um, and Angel refuses. Um, and so it's interesting. This is like the third episode without Cordy. Oh, more than that. Like that. More than yeah. that. Yeah. 
Um, I don't remember how many. It, it's at least like four, I want to say, right? Is it? Um, uh, maybe, you, well, you might be right. It might be only the third. Um, hold on. Anyway, well, it feels like a lot because... Yeah, I mean, and part of it, when, too, is that we've had, like, double Buffy episodes. Right, this is um, true, yes. Um, but a couple episodes so, ago, we were saying, so, like... Sorry, sorry, it, so Couplet was the last episode, and that was one, two, three episodes ago. So, yeah, uh, Loyalty, Sleep Tight, and Forgiving are the three episodes that we've had without Cordy. And I won't say when or if she'll be back. She'll be back. But I won't say when she'll be back. Um, sure. But yeah. So, right. Yeah, this is the third one without her. So, but like when there was that first episode, we were saying like, we haven't had an episode without Cordy. Ever. Like, ever. Yeah. In, um, in Buffy yeah, or... Yeah, like in... Her in her run of Buffy yeah. or an angel. And so suddenly to have this extended period um, of her not being there is very, you know, significant. And, you know, so Angel kind of goes through a couple different things. First, he just doesn't want to bother her. He doesn't want to interrupt her vacation, um, which is, you know, the most superficial reason and probably not even hardly a reason at all. Um, you know, underneath that, I kind of get a sense of like, I don't know if embarrassment is the right word, but like, like just shame of, I can't, I can't tell her this. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like the, the stuff that was starting to happen with the three of them becoming closer and there being this development of almost a little family dynamic between her and Angel and Connor. Um, you know, part of it, it seems to me, is that Angel just can't stand the idea of telling her that Connor's gone and that this has happened. Yeah. Um, you know, and then the, the other part is the part that he says about, you know, she'll have presents and he's going to be here so she can give them to him. So just this notion of Angel can't think of the notion that Connor won't be there for that, that he won't be back. Like right. that's not possible. Right. Um Yeah, so his kind of refusal to entertain any of those, you know, ideas. Um so yeah, I mean, eventually the the research without Wesley and Cordy, the research doesn't really go so well. Um, so uh, he moves on into the plan. Um, so yeah, all right, Fred and Gun. Yeah. Um, and their thoughts about Wesley. So the. The part that jumps out to me um, the most is Fred's 
kind of her denial of, you know, that Wesley could do this and that he would be capable of it. Um, you know, and the fact that like for her, she keeps emphasizing like the personal aspect of that, you know, of, you know, he wouldn't betray us and he wouldn't have left without saying something to me, you know, not unless he had a, you know, a hell of a big urgent reason. Um, and I don't know. I don't feel like it's not like we get a total breaking down of the Fred and Gunn relationship in this, but I think we do see a difference of their attitude towards what's mm. happened. You know, I think from Fred, you still get a sense of even if she ultimately wants to be with Gunn in a relationship, you still get a sense from this of how important Wesley is to her. Yeah. Um, you know, just the line of, you know, he wouldn't leave without saying something to me of like, not just he can't do this, but he wouldn't do that to me. And he wouldn't not share this with me if there was something important going on. Sure. Um, and, you know, on the one hand, kind of pointing out the closeness of their relationship. On the other hand, he clearly did do this without her and didn't include her. So there's some you know, something she's not understanding about where Wesley is at and his willingness to include her in whatever it is that he's thinking. Um, she's not really believing that or seeming to really understand that, that he's going through stuff that he's not sharing yeah. with her. Yeah. Well, and how much of that, I mean... Not that, like, I don't want to imply that, like, Fred's at fault for, like, falling for gun, right? But, like, mm. there is an aspect of that in which that had an effect on Wesley. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, some of that is just right. that, you know, situation of Fred chose gun over Wesley and that very fact is going to, you know, cause Wesley to, to pull away a bit. Um, right. But also, like, I think there's an aspect of Wesley legitimately didn't necessarily know what the right course of action was. Like, I mean, we see what he does mm -hmm. and that he eventually kidnaps Connor or tries to anyway, and all of that. But like, I think there's also a certain embarrassment for Wesley as to what he's, or, and mm -hmm. maybe insecurity or uh, at least um, uh, unsureness about what he's doing. Um, so maybe he doesn't want to admit that to Fred either. Like maybe he would be, like maybe regardless of her relationship with Gunn, he, anything else he might be otherwise willing to consult with her because he knows she's smart and, you know, can help him think things through and do research and that kind right. of stuff. But in this one particular aspect, maybe it's because he doesn't have a clear idea of what he's doing that becomes sort of that, you know, 
guiding factor or not or, or lack of guiding mm-hmm. factor, you know. And so because he, you know, it's like one of those things where like when you can't quite articulate your point, like maybe you just go off for a while and think about it rather than trying to talk to someone, even though sometimes talking to people is what helps you clarify it. Right. So like this might be Wesley just like, I can figure this out, but like, I don't want to, I don't want to tell anyone else until I really have it nailed down. Cause it is a sensitive topic and maybe he wouldn't want Fred to say something to Angel about it or, you know, like, like whatever he ends up deciding to do, maybe he, he wants to just be able to do that on his own terms. And even bringing someone like Fred in would, he would lose that power to do that and capability right. to do that. So anyway, um, yeah. Right. Right. Or, you know, or a, a, a fear that she might talk him out of it, you know? Right. Like, like, Either he believes that he's right and just doesn't want to have that, you know, have to have that argument with her, or he's not sure that what he's doing is right. And so better I just go and do it than have that conversation with Fred and open myself back up to the doubts, um, you know, and the questions. And at a certain point, he has to just, you know, put his head down and block out all the distractions and choose what it is he's going to do. And that means not consulting with anybody else. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think like, definitely he is more distant from her than he used to be. And, you know, um, Fred hasn't necessarily totally picked up on that. Um, you know, as far as she sees, um, you know, he wouldn't leave without saying something. She she thinks that's still true. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a, a level to their relationship that he, that uh, Fred, rather, is not totally, you know, keyed in Go on. Although she does still, there are indications that she does, you know, still know him well because it's her that thinks of the diaries, right? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and 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 the fact that that eventually leads them to the right answer, it's, you know, and it's, it, it's Gunn kind of saying, not saying, well, this, and this is a source of tension, Gunn's not telling her to quit, but he's skeptical about, the whole thing of gun is very much like, all right, let's just ask him because this makes no sense to me. Whereas Fred is trying to figure it out and figure out the motivations. And Wesley doesn't, or gun doesn't necessarily believe that they're going to be able to figure it out. Um, you know, he seems more skeptical about skeptical about the whole thing. I mean, he's also skeptical about Lauren's reading of, Wesley's mood even right um you know he's kind of saying like you can't that can't have been what happened like you know none of it just makes any sort of real sense to him um 
So, and I guess, like, Gunn is more of a doer. Let's just find Wesley and get to the bottom and ask him ourselves. Whereas Fred is more concerned with, you know, the personal motivations. Like, why did he do this? He must have had a reason. And if we think hard enough, we can figure it out. Sure. Um, which eventually they do. They find the diaries um, and find the prophecy, or at least what they think is the prophecy. They find, you know, Wesley's handwriting of, you know, the father will kill the son. Um, you know, and Fred is pretty instantly convinced, you know, like he did the right thing. The only thing he could have done under the circumstances is what she says. Um, you know, and Gunn kind of pushes back on that a little bit. Like, really, the only thing he could have done? Um, you know, which she kind of says, like, you know, I guess he could have come talk to us or he could have done whatever. But she's, like, pretty ready to defend him and say that he didn't have a choice and as long as we explain this to Angel, like rational adult people, um, we will all understand each other and forgive and, you know, be able to move on. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Which, maybe. (laughs) Which, again, again, Gunn is skeptical of that notion. um, That, like, so that Angel's just gonna what forget it happened like that doesn't seem likely yeah um from gun's point of view well and right well okay i'm kind i kind of want to jump ahead to like because we get like explanations about like the prophecy and like mm-hmm. all this stuff right of yeah you know um <clears throat> One, you get, like, Fred and Gunn finding Wesley's diaries and seeing the prophecy, right? So, mm-hmm. th- like, yes, this is why Wesley did this thing. And uh, they explain it, right, to Angel. But, like, Fred, you know, you can certainly see is probably being forgiving of, like, oh... This explains, like, this is this is the psychology behind what Wesley did. He thought you were going to kill your kid. And so, like, that completely makes sense. Now we understand why he did this mm-hmm. thing. Um, so you get that explanation. But, I mean, obviously that's not enough for Angel. But then you get the explanation later that Sajan is the one who actually planted that prophecy. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. like, so now it becomes, it's not just like that Wesley was trying to, you know, save Connor from Angel, but that also he was duped. And so he's kind of an innocent party in all this. I mean, he's not innocent mm-hmm. insofar as like he went and, you know, did these things behind his friend's backs and, you know, maybe like we've been saying, like would have been better if he had talked to them just for a few minutes about some of this stuff. Like, Hey guys, I came across this really disturbing prophecy. Um, can yeah. we talk about this for a minute? Like, are, yeah, Angel, are you going to kill your to son? The... Cause like this prophecy says you're gonna, um, 
and like I'm trying to think of a good way around this and not coming up with anything all that compelling. Right. Yeah, I've been really having like some heartache over it. Like, can you guys help me out? But um, yeah, so like, like you, you know, again, there's this idea that like maybe, maybe if you know, so Angel didn't respond to you know the first aspect, the you know the prophecy itself. You know, thinking like, well, of course I'm not going to kill my son. And Wesley's stupid for thinking that. And he should never have taken mm-hmm. him. Which is all maybe true. But, you know, Angel is just sort of that way. But when you hear that, like, oh, Saw John planted this. And so now Wesley is a dupe. And, like, mm-hmm. isn't kind of responsible for thinking the thing. Like, like, you can at least understand now what's going on you might think that Angel would be a little even more forgiving because Sajan mm. is a jerk who's been around 1,100 years and, you know, happened to pull one over. And and this sort of thing could have happened to anyone, perhaps. Um, right. 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 He was manipulated. But that also um, does not appease Angel, it seems. <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah, I no. mean... No, I mean, and it, so Angel's official line is I'd never hurt someone I care about. Right. Now move, he says to Fred in a in a slightly threatening kind of way. And like uh, Which which also you know, isn't true because he has hurt. It's not true okay. at all. Like it's it's manifestly not true. You know, we've seen him, you know, physically and emotionally hurt many people he cares about. Right. Um, I mean, again, you can argue the semantics of, is it really angel? Is it really angelus? All that kind of thing. But like even angel himself has hurt people, you know, human beings hurt people. They're not all soulless vampires. Like sometimes people just hurt people. And so to, to be so insistent on, you know, his inability to hurt someone he cares about is um you know disingenuous or quite quite ridiculous yeah 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 Yeah. i don't disagree Um, but that is his that's his story and he's sticking to it um okay sorry i know i jumped finishing up really quick a little bit there no it's fine i want to mention um all the L names really quick. I just noticed they all have L's. Lauren and Lila and Linwood. So, <laughs> sure. Um, Lauren, in terms of his, like, you know, continuing with the theme of their reaction to the previous episode, mm-hmm. um, one thing that jumps out to me about Lauren is the fallibility of his vision, or his, they're not visions, but his, like, readings of people. Mm-hmm. Um, in a completely, you know, non-malicious way, you know, he didn't do anything wrong. He's just reporting what happened. You know, he was the one who got attacked, you know, out of the blue and everything. But, you know, the way that Lorne jumps to conclusions here that aren't necessarily true, um, and I think kind of leads the others to conclusions that aren't true. Um, You know, there's the bit about... So he knows, they know that Wesley took Connor, 
And Lauren knows from his, you know, reading of Wesley that he was planning to leave with them. And he also knows that he's been meeting with Holtz. Um, but there seems to be a lot of assumption around the group that these two things were connected, that mm. he was meeting with Holtz in order to give him the baby, that this was an intentional. So like before we even get to the revelation of, oh, he got jumped by Justine and had his throat slit and was you know left for dead. Yeah. It kind of looks like he told, t- took the baby, gave it to Holtz, and then split, you know, left town or whatever to, like, run away from Angel. Um, and that kind of seems like, not intentionally, that's the interpretation that Lauren kind of encourages, you know, which, you know, I think it's just a reminder of whether it's prophecies or visions or whatever it is. <laughs> you know, that these things aren't necessarily easy to read and that they're very easy to, you know, misinterpret and to jump to conclusions about. Sure. Um, yeah. And um, I mean, I don't think it's the first time where we've had Lauren not maybe interpret things quite the right way or whatever. And, and sure. Yeah. Like he reads auras, but that doesn't, and you know sets people on their path but it doesn't always mean that like he he's 100 percent accurate or that the path he sets them on that they stay there or that they're you know are necessarily mm-hmm. doing good things on that path either like like we've got that implication too that like a person's path just because he's sending them on their path that doesn't mean their path is a good path right um, sure I mean, we he might prefer that, and that's why he's with Angel and team now, you know, versus trying to mm-hmm. rebuild Caritas again. But mm-hmm. it hasn't—he hasn't always been sort of like a champion for good necessarily. He's—he's—he's he's, he, and sure. not that he's a champion for bad either. Like he's—he's he's sort of a neutral in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. No. That is a good point. Um, so Lila and Linwood don't want to spend a lot of time, um, but, um, you know, Linwood comes in and kind of throws around various threats, you know, for Lila's part in this whole thing. And she's got her, you know, report all ready to go saying exactly what happened. So trying to cover her butt and make it look mm-hmm. like she has everything under control and, it was all completely intentional and I was going to tell you about it anyway. And so don't get, you know, angry, um, you know, but of course Lynn would, you know, uh, lets her know in no uncertain terms that she's, you know, kind of in the doghouse over this, sure. um, you know, and, um, even kind of mentions, you know, her, her mom who's, you know, in her, you know, a hospital or whatever, um, you know, so kind of starting to let her know that she can't be making mistakes like that and intentionally leaving them out of all of these big, you know, dealings and everything. Yep. Um, so Linwood leading to like angel taking action. Um, he, 
kidnaps Linwood to, you know, uh, force him into tracking down Sajan. Um, which doesn't, that's not too hard. You know, he, like, you know, parades around a bunch of, you know, instruments of torture and everything and, you know, uh, kind of just has to sort of suggest, you know, what he's going to do with them in Linwood Caves. Uh -huh. um, and uh, calls in Lila's help. Um, so the two of them go uh, to the White Room, which I don't think we've heard about before, right? No, I think this is the first... This is the first. So it's another it's another secret room in the Wolfram and Hart elevator. Right. Um, well, at the top some, somewhere. I mean, it it's well, they're they're sort of like a they inter interdimensional thing but, perhaps even, right? Yes, yes. Um and it's up at the top and bathed in this sort of you know pristine white light and everything. Um and there's a little girl who we don't get a name for. Um, senior partner, maybe? I don't know. Maybe. She doesn't seem uh, very benevolent. No. You know, she seems uh, like kind of probably one of the, one of the bad and, guys. Um, and, I mean, not to suggest too much or whatever, but like the little girl aspect is maybe a persona or a, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's not maybe the true form of the yes. entity um, that they're talking yeah. to. It's probably a very ironic true form or, or not true yeah. form. Um, you know, uh, her innocence is all a front. Um, yeah. So yeah, and, and she always talks just about how little kids who are evil just always are creepy, right? Yes, yes, as a rule. Um, yeah, so she talks about you know revenge, and it's so much more fun than forgiveness and everything. Um, and uh, you know, uh, talks about uh, you know the you know these things always come with a price. Kill her, and the angel goes to snap you know, Lila's neck. And then the girl kind of laughs and, oh, I was just kidding. Right. You know, um, that was good enough. You demonstrated your willingness. Um, it reminded me of Jenny Callender. You oh. know? Yeah. Like, it's like pretty much like the same. He just goes and it looks like the most natural thing in the world, you know, for yeah. him. Interesting. I didn't like, draw that connection, but yeah. Um. I mean, and I guess I, the, the fact of his, his revenge trip in this episode, plus the fact that it reminded me of Jenny that way, kind of indicates to me that he would do it, you sure. know, like, like, I don't think it's a bluff. Right. Right. Like if she hadn't stopped him, he would have been, you know, and it's Lila. Right. Like, it's not like it's even someone he cares right. about. Um, you know, it's someone who's made his life miserable for a couple of years. So that actually wouldn't be too big of an ask. Um, so, yeah. So she tells him about, she gives him the whole Sajan backstory and, um, you know, uh, 
you know, that they used to be sort of big, bad demons, and then they made them incorporeal, so they can't, you know, they can only sort of manipulate things through time and through suggestion. They can't actually, like, hurt anybody or interact with anybody. Um, and that's an interesting line about, um, I like trouble, but I hate chaos. So we changed them. You know, like, sure. you know, I don't know what quite what to do with that, but. Yeah. You know, the distinction there between trouble and chaos is interesting. Um, yeah. And then gives Angel the the information about the urn of like, this is the only way to, you know, to defeat him. So we have, you know, Chekhov's urn. Ready to go for <laughs> Check out, the end of <laughs> right. Ready to go for the end of the episode. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, Why not? I, um, yeah, it's an apt description. I I just it's funny. Although it's like even less subtle than that because it's like it's not like oh it's that random prop that you. It's like, no, she literally says, like, this is how you're going to... Sure. This is the only way to defeat him is with this urn. Um, which Justine happens to have because Holtz had one. Um, right. Just in case. Right. Um, so, yeah. So the ritual that Angel has to do to conjure Sajan um, is very dark and very dangerous. And uh, Lauren is very adamantly against it. Um, who are you? Deeply troubled, he says. Um, and is kind of like spending most of the episode begging Angel to come up with any other plan and to find um, any other way around this. Um, so yeah, Angel's like... This is starting to get reminiscent of those other times when Angel couldn't be reasoned with, right? A little bit. Um, yeah. Like when he fired everyone and... Yeah. Like that, for instance. Which um, actually, just real briefly, brings up the point that Wesley is still technically the leader. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I, whether right. he will be in the next episode or not remains to be seen. But <laughs> well, and can Angel can Angel fire him if he's not if Angel's not the leader anymore? Um, right, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, he's still technically the leader, and yeah, right, right. And if he makes an executive decision, does that is it something he has to run by the group? Um. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so, uh, where do we leave off? So, all right. So they do the ritual. Yeah. Sajan comes back, kind of in the. He kind of comes back in the middle of traffic. Um, <laughs> you <Right>. know, so. <laughs> you know, flips over a car and everything. Um, but otherwise kind of seems to enjoy being solid again. And he's ready to sort of do some damage and, you know, uh, 
kick some butt and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and all right. So there's kind of two main, I'm trying to not take too long because I'm aware of our time. Um, there's kind of two main confrontations at the end. There's Justine and there's Sajan. Mm -hmm. Um, and you kind of get a little bit of you catastrophe there with Justine being the one to do Sajan in at the end, um, which is nice. Sure, right. Um, when you think that she has run away, you know, cowardly, you know, just kind of, right. yeah, avoiding right. confrontation or whatever. Right. Right. And, um, I don't know if I think this will be the last time we see Justine. It kind of seems like it could be because, you know, she gets the kind of kind of hero moment of, you know, putting Sajan in the uh, in the urn, so kind of saving the mm-hmm. day. She tells them where to find Wesley, so she kind of helps them out. And there's even a sense of she's over her sort of. Um, you know, any illusions about Holtz and his sort of reliability or the fact that, you know, um, you know, her idea that he was really there for her and would, you know, uh, back her up and be loyal and all these things, she kind of gets over that, that, you know, illusion in uh in this episode sure um and ends up you know not killing fred and gun when she has the chance to um you know and her kind of flashback to wesley having his throat slit like you know you definitely get the sense that she's you know even though she's been on this, she's been the one who's been on the revenge kick and knows what it is to just not care anymore and just want revenge. Um, But, you know, what she did to Wesley disturbed her enough to sort of break her out of that. So I don't know. Maybe that's a potential answer to the question of how do you break this cycle is like, Eventually, you go so far that even, you know, even you're disgusted with yourself and you have to stop. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to sort of say anything without giving away one way or the other, you know. Sure. What might happen next, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so, I mean, we kind of touched on it briefly, but just finishing up with Sajan, the, um, the fact that he, we finally find out what it is that he had against Angel this whole time. And it was that there were prophecies about him being killed by Connor. So the whole prophecy that Wesley's been tracking down is totally bogus, planted by Sajan, who flitted in a manly way throughout time and um you know planted all these clues and false prophecies and everything and it was all about tricking other people into killing connor so that he wouldn't get killed by him so 
Saw John is kind of the uh, Buffy versus Bad Wolf, right? <laughs> like, put it, you sure. know, putting yeah. these, you know, these prophecies or, you know, references in obscure texts and stuff. Yeah. Right. Right. To lead people in the future towards certain actions. Right. And, yeah. Um, right. So it's not so much a prophecy as it is, like... <laughs> manipulation through time um yeah and that kind of it does make it even worse what happens to connor because it's completely based on nothing it's based on you know lies and you know false information that manipulates and tricks people into making very serious you know decisions with very heavy consequences and everything um, so it's not like Connor even died or he didn't die. He's in another dimension, but it's not like he's even gone to achieve some purpose. It's like sure. a totally futile, you know, uh, you know, kind of pointless thing in the end. Um, which I don't know whether that makes it better or worse for Wesley, really. Um, so, yeah, Wesley. <laughs> And that last scene. So all this, all this, you know, we've had Wesley, we've had like the bad guys showing us examples of what revenge does to you. You have Lauren pleading with Angel to find another way, Mm -hmm. you know, to not go into the deep, dark places, but to, you know, forgive everybody and find a way out. You've got Fred, you know, begging him to understand where Wesley's coming from and try to see it from his perspective and all this stuff. Um, And, you know, so you lead up to this confrontation in the hospital. Um, And, you know, and where Angel seems understanding and, and contrite and all this stuff. And then it's totally a setup. Um, And not and not just a trick, because what's Wesley gonna do? He can't do anything. It's not like he has to trick him into being, you know, lulled into anything. It's like it's just to be cold and to let him know. Like it's all about the line about I want you to understand that this is me talking yeah. and not Angelus. So you're not gonna write this off as the murderous vampire. Like, let's just get, be clear and understand that my murderous impulses are completely rational and human sure. and intentional and, uh, you know, yeah. And then he tries to kill him. Yeah. Very emphatically. Yes. Um, but doesn't. Doesn't succeed. No. Gets pulled off. And... Wesley's just kind of gasping, surprised perhaps, but also just Mm -hmm. needing oxygen. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Right. Yeah. Very intense scene. Um, Yeah. And like David Boreanaz tapped into something real there. Like, (laughs) like you get like, (laughs) like just before he, recorded that scene or whatever like he was thinking about some shit that went down in his own life you you know 
would be my sure. guess. <laughs> sure. Um, cause that's right. like one of the most intense, if not the most intense, you know, scene that I think I've ever seen of him. Uh, uh-huh. yeah. I mean, I can't think of any yeah. other time in Buffy or Angel, at least that he's that right. angry and passionate and just yelling and whatever. Right. Right. That visceral, um, cause even as Angelus, when he's like committing his atrocities, it's always, it's always like calm and cool and collected. Yeah. And yeah. you know, he's always sort of the broody type and you know, whatever, but this is just pure rage and mm-hmm. passion. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah, and, and there's something slightly off about the way that he plays even the kind of scene of forgiveness leading up to mm. it, where certainly me, I was waiting for something to happen. I wasn't quite ready for that. Um, but I was I, I was feeling like, all right, there's a shoe that's going to drop here somewhere. Sure. I didn't know. I thought maybe like, it would angel would say these things and then he would say, you know, but I don't forgive you, you know, or I thought maybe Wesley might reject his forgiveness or, you know, or like Wesley might be the source of the reason that they don't reconcile. Um, so I, I picked up on something being kind of like not quite right mm-hmm. with him. Um, but yeah, that is a pretty, terrifying moment when like the way he is just you know so totally consumed with his rage right um yeah yeah so so much for the forgiveness <laughs> um ay ay hard to you know i feel like i keep saying this every week but hard to see like where the relationship can go from here i didn't think it could get any worse and then um, you know, not just, not just, I won't forgive you or you're cast out, but I'm going to kill you. You know, you're a dead man. Like the threats of, it's not just our relationship is over. It's that I will hunt you down and make you pay for this. That's to me, like, I think that's what he was saying. Um, so that's not great. For the team dynamic. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Again, this is reminding me of other times where Angel was not in a reasonable place. So, you know, how the others are going to stop him from doing this, um, I don't know. Yeah. But I guess we will find out. I guess we will. And... Not too long from now, because we're watching more Angel this week. <laughs> right. So, yeah, the uh, next episode, since since we already know the next episode for BSG, I'll give you the title uh, for the next Angel episode, is called Double, Double or Nothing. So, mm-hmm. double what? Okay. I, or, you know, nothing what? Or nothing what? <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, remains to be seen, I guess, but uh, there you go. Okay. 
All right. Sounds good. See you then.